On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, we begin draft season with our dear pal Raphael Barlow from Locked on NBA Big Board. In particular, we're digging into the guards who might be available for the Raptors at 13 because, oh my goodness, the Raptors need some freaking guards and shooting and oh man, like it's just ridiculous how much it's a need. We'll dig into it with Raphael on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, May the 12th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Locked on Raptors. And most importantly, jump into the Locked on Raptors Discord community where we got mailbag questions flowing in left, right, and center. We've got fake trades, some really unhinged fake trades, a million different things going on in the Locked on Raps Discord community. It's great. And, of course, in the Discord community, they have been clamoring for today's guest, and I had to listen to them because they are the most dedicated listeners of the show. So if you want me to just, like, uh, curtail all of my things and, and just give in to all your demands, please just uh, join the Discord, and you will have me just uh, at your beck and call. Uh, today's show, also, a reminder, you can go and uh, support the show by following, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated when you do that. We're on YouTube as well. If you're not uh, up on the YouTube just yet, jump in there. Hit the big red subscribe button and support us, shall you? Uh, all right, I'm recording at a different time than I usually do and i'm loopy as hell but that's all right because we got someone way smarter than me here to get this thing back on the rails it is Raphael barlow from locked on nba big board one of the uh popular demand guests that uh, i'm really happy to have back on the show the people have been waiting for Raphael to come lend his incredible draft related knowledge to the show as i am not a draft man at all i just kind of take what the smart people say and run with it so Raphael, welcome man thank you it's lovely to have you hey i'm glad to be on uh a little bit of pressure on me now since uh, <laughs> since I'm <laughs> just, look the listeners have to put up with me every day so like you're fine like you're 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 golden because you're a step up regardless of uh, of anything here so um, yeah thanks for for being here man and, and yeah we're gonna dig into guards mostly on today's show there will probably be a time where we get into sort of more masayujiri ass selections uh the raptors could make it 13 um but for now i think the main focus for a lot of folks and for me in particular is guard play and shooting the raptors don't have a lot of it and they could lose some of it this summer if fred van vliet and or gary trent jr do not return i think van vliet's likely to be back i think gary trent jr potentially is uh walk out the door but that's a conversation for another day one way or another the Raptors need guard play and shooting it's very very apparent they have all the forwards they have bigs now now they have to address the other thing they've kind of been ignoring for a long time with this sort of weird team build they've gone through um and so Raphael we'll dig into some specific names but I just want to get a sense from you like 13 is where the Raptors are projected to pick obviously if they move up whole different ball game we're talking about Wemby in a week's time and that's going to be awesome but uh going by the odds the 99% odds that they do not move up and get Victor Wembanyama, a guard feels like the move here and at 13 
just like my cursory research, it seems like there is a wealth of potential guys who could fit the Raptors' needs for shooting and or guard play. I'm curious, like, do you think the Raptors stand a chance of, like, legitimately addressing that need? Maybe not for, like, next season in terms of on-court impact, but just getting those skills in the door. Do you think there's going to be a player available to them at 13 who can kind of check some of those boxes? Yeah, I, I do think there are some some guards available. It's just weird that we're just so used to seeing the Raptors draft bigs and wings and, and <laughs> dudes and guys who can't that, shoot. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, there's no uh, six nine point guards available in this in this draft. But yeah, I think guard is a position that they're definitely going to have to address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know we'll, we'll dig into specific names here. I, I'm curious, like, the quality of the guys in that sort of late lottery range, right? It's always a mixed bag when you get to this part of the draft. But, you know, strength of the draft, obviously, everyone's been focused on Wembenyama and Scoot Henderson all season long. Um, I don't know if I have a great impression of, like, how strong this draft class is comparatively to others once you get down into the reaches of the late lottery. But can you give maybe an idea for the people out there, like, what to expect as far as the talent that will be available in this part of the draft this year? Yeah, I think it's a talented draft. I think that five through 13 are pretty fluid. Like okay. If there's someone that I have projected at 13 and they end up going number five, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I actually have the Raptors selecting Nick Smith. Okay. It would be a, an interesting pick because Nick Smith was the, by a lot of people's opinions, he was the top guard coming into this college basketball season as far as from the NCAA ranks. And he did not have a, a strong season. He dealt with a, a knee injury that kept him in and out of the lineup. But if that's someone that they feel like they like and they trust the pre-college footage, if you get him at 13, that could be a steal. Yeah. So Nick Smith is one of the guys I wanted to ask you about. You know, you mentioned it wasn't a banner year for him. I, I think for me, someone who is usually pretty disconnected from the college game like i'll watch the tournament when it's on um there's actually a guy who i watched in the tournament who my entire opinion is based on and it's not a very good opinion because of that uh which of course will be wrong and stupid and that's why you're on the show to help me out with that but um with nick smith you know i I think what pops off 37 and a half percent from the field 1.7 assists a game for a point guard that is is that like a red flag at all? Is that like, obviously, you know, with college, there's all sorts of extenuating circumstances, roles, coaching systems, all that. Yep. Um, but like, are you concerned? Like the Raptors need playmaking. Is Nick Smith Jr. the type of guy who could be a playmaker at the next level? Or is he maybe kind of leave you wanting a little bit in that department? You know, 1.7 assists to 1.6 turnovers is not exactly the ratio you're hoping to see for a guy who you figure the Raptors would be drafting to have the ball in his hands quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, of course, if you look at the numbers, they don't stand out. But none of mm-hmm. his numbers across the board stand out unless you, like, really take a deep dive into sure. the um, advanced numbers and see that he shot well off the catch. But he was in a situation where he was splitting ball handling duties with Anthony Black, another mm-hmm. guard that is in the lottery range. And because Nick is the better shooter of the two, he's the one that played off the ball. Mm-hmm. I also think that there was a lot of rust in his game because he, he played – then he missed time, come back, play, miss time again. And it's just kind of tough to get your rhythm. So I think that mm-hmm. he played the majority of the season without being in rhythm. And he played off the ball. Now, coming into the season, I didn't think that playmaking was his best attribute. 
Now, if we're talking about Anthony Black, then that's a totally different story. Mm-hmm. But I thought Nick was a more so like a, a combo guard sure. that in time could develop into a, a point guard. But I think if there is a team that has the luxury of allowing him to kind of play off the ball and learn on the fly, it would be Toronto because you have Scotty Barnes there. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think that it wouldn't be a, a bad fit if he's available at 13. That's intriguing. Um, I did not expect to be potentially sold on Nick Smith for my very cursory <laughs> research. I was not terribly thrilled about the idea, but uh, you're a smart, dude. If you think that he, he stands a chance of going to 13 with the Raptors, I will take your word for it. Um, and I mean, that's the thing is, right? Like this, this is sort of a philosophical question for you, Raphael, kind of tied to this. Like college basketball has changed a lot, obviously, right. like lesser sort of high-end talent going through the ranks. You know, a lot of guys, you know, choosing G League or overseas, whatever it might be. And so you have, you mentioned Anthony Black sort of changes the team context around Nick Smith because of what he brings to the table, his playmaking ability. Like, what is your sort of go-to way to, like, cut through the noise of the college game and the sort of context that all these guys find like I, I it's maybe just like i'm asking how are you so good at your job because like it's it seems like there's a lot of noise to have to filter out with these college guys and you know for me someone who is kind of diving into this and, and sort of getting acquainted with these guys now it feels like that that noise almost makes it impossible to come to like a full real understanding of these guys and you know that's the risk you played in the draft period right like it's always a little unknowable as far as what guys are going to be once they get to the league what situations they're in but how do you go about cutting through that noise for a guy like nick smith well number one i think college is still the easiest to to evaluate just because we have years and years and years of of history sure now the ignite this is only their third year over time it's their second year um, the NBL pro- program in Australia, it's probably like their fifth or sixth year. So you have a lot more sample sizes in college. And there are some sure. people that feel like college is the safer of the, the options. As far as just being able to evaluate the guys, I mean, yeah, you got to put things into context. It's kind of like what I just did, this whole <laughs> Nick Smith segment, putting things into context. Um but yeah, just as far as the noise, I mean, I just watch a lot of film and then just kind of form my my opinions. But again, you got to put into context, which can make it a little difficult. And th- the biggest thing that comes to mind as far as like trying to decide between evaluating a player in college as opposed to the Ignite and OTE is that college is out of the three you see guys play in pressured environments. You see guys mm-hmm. play in situations where they're going on the road and they're playing a conference rival. There's a conference tournament. There's an NCAA tournament. But the Ignite and OTE, I mean, of course, guys want to win, but the, you, you can't say the pressure is the same. Yeah, there's no, like, Ignite, Fort Wayne, Mad Ants blood feud going on down in the G League or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's <laughs> 400 people in the crowd. <laughs> there's nobody yelling obscenities at you <laughs> so college is definitely the easier of the two to easier of the three to evaluate yeah fair enough um we're gonna come back on the other side Raphael. i'll get to some more guys a couple college guys actually i think mostly all college guys that are on tap for us today as far as the list i handed you so we'll get to that in just a sec i think keontae george is someone i want to dig into next as um sort of a similar 
situation, you know, similar shooting splits, uh, you know, struggled in the tournament, that type of stuff. Um, we'll get into Keontae George, who I think at the start of the year was someone who a lot of Raptors fans really kind of keyed in on. It's like, oh, if this isn't, season's not going to go so hot, maybe Keontae George is the answer here. We'll talk about that, whether that's the case in just a sec here before we do that. However, got to tell you, that our friends over at eBay Motors and for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. That's what the draft is all about. It's finding all the pieces to come together, make that perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right, so the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know what part will fit. Or your money back, because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Raphael Barlow from Locked on NBA Big Board Alon. Go listen to Locked on NBA Big Board. Oh my goodness, what a wonderful show that is. I have started my draft prep, and it is the first podcast that I listen to regarding draft prep. So uh, doing a wonderful job over there, both you and you and the whole crew over there. I locked an NBA big board. Uh, Mavs draft. Uh, Richard... Yeah, leave Tulane. Like there's there's every million people over there doing incredible work. Go listen to the show; it's wonderful. Um, let's get into it now. The uh, Keontae George of it all again, a guy who I think at the start of the year, Baylor guard, six four, um, average fifteen four and three this season for Baylor at the start of the year. I think a lot of people kind of pointed to him as ooh, this kind of guy the Raptors could really use. I mentioned off the top that there's a guy who my entire opinion is based off of watching one tournament game, and this was Keontae George. In the game I watched, don't even remember who it was against. I was like, this guy can't right. get by anybody. This guy uh, is like, there's no first step here. And so my entire feeling on Keontae George is Eh, not for me. Of course, that is an ignorant take, and you, of course, have watched a whole lot more Keontae George. Uh, do you think he's a potential fit here for the Raptors at 13 if he's still there? Um, and if not, are there going to be some drawbacks to his game that might not suit exactly what the Raptors need right now? Yes, yes. Um, and honestly, your your assessment is fair. And the reason it's fair, I'm adding a little context to it, is very similar to Nick Smith. Hmm. Keontae was playing injured, and right. I've had the opportunity to watch Keontae over the years. I'm friends with his dad. I've got a friendship with his mom and he lives in, well, he grew up in the Dallas area. So I've been watching him for a while. And I, I did a sit down interview with him probably about six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that during the NCAA tournament, he was playing injured and he got, he got injured on like February 25th mm-hmm. and he never was able to bounce back. And I want to say like the two games, and I just did a, article on it i want to say like the two games prior to spraining his ankle he combined for 43 points and i want to say he was like 11 of 20 from three sprains mm-hmm. the ankle against uh, texas i believe on the 25th of february it was just never the same after that and so he mentioned to me that he had so much tape on his ankle one foot was heavier than the other and he just did not have his his first step he wasn't able to cut or do much off the dribble so your assessment is fair because, I mean, you can't unsee what you saw. <laughs> and what you did see was a guy that couldn't really get by anybody, lacked you know, any type of explosive, explosiveness, first step, and so on. But I just wanted to add a little context to it. Sure. Um, he was Big 12 freshman of the year. 
And in my opinion, the, the strongest conference. Now, people from the Big East may feel like the Big East was stronger this year. <laughs> but he is a, a, a big-time scorer. And if you really want to see, like, Keontae at his best, there was a, a tournament in Canada, the Global Jam, this summer, mm-hmm. where he mm-hmm. represented – Baylor represented Team USA. He played in a tournament with um, some professionals from Canada and different countries. And he was absolutely phenomenal. I think he had like a 32-point game. I want to say average like 24, 25 points per game in that showcase. And he was the the primary ball handler. And the fit mm-hmm. at Baylor this year was a little clunky with um, LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler. So basically they had like a three-point guard or even three-combo guard lineup that didn't have a lot of size. And so I think you'll if you look at that footage from the Global Jam, you'll see like the best of Keontae. Right on. As far as his shot, like obviously the shooting is the thing the Raptors badly need right now. Mm -hmm. It's like just anything. Pull up shooting, catch and shoot, all of it would be extremely welcome on this team. Um, Like, do you believe that there's like, you know, 33% from the the three-point line in college? You know, it doesn't say the whole story. Obviously, you make in free throw accuracy, that's the the, the form mechanics, all of that. Um, Like, do you think he can be the type of guard who can be a pull-up threat, who can have that shooting as a weapon? Because I ultimately think around Scotty Barnes, that's the type of player they're badly going to need, right? Just like mm-hmm. someone who can be someone who can pull up from around screens, whether working with Scotty Barnes in actions or not, uh, as you know, a guy who's maybe not going to be a great spacer in Barnes. you got to have good spaces around him and a pull-up guard. I mean, it's the reason when Fred Van Vliet was on this year, the Raptors looked pretty bloody good. Like that's yeah. See, he brings a lot to the table with that pull-up shooting. Do you think that's something Keontae might be able to tap into, or is that maybe a bit of a concern area? What's concerning is he is known for being a really good shooter. Just Mm -hmm. the shot did not go in this year. That Mm -hmm. is somewhat of a concern. I mean, the shot is beautiful. He's one of those guys that every time he shoots, you feel like it's going in. And it's actually surprising that 70% of his shots didn't (laughs) didn't go in. Or or not 70, but, you know, 65-ish or whatever. Um, I do think that he'll be a better shooter or he is a better shooter than the numbers indicate. He is mm-hmm. a, a guy that is an excellent pull-up shooter, just how he's able to get to his spots, elevate over the top of guys. He even has the range where he's comfortable shooting threes, pull-up threes mm-hmm. off the dribble, and it's it's effortless. There's really not you know much of a change in his motion. So I think that, like I say, he's a better shooter than the numbers indicate, but I do think in the long run, shooting will be his greatest asset. That intrigues me big time. Uh, let's go to another sort of guy. I kind of have these three. We talked about Nick Smith. Um, we also just dug into, of course, Keontae George. And then Kaysen Wallace is the third kind of traditional point guard, you know, kind of 6'4 guard type who I feel like is in this kind of bundle. And honestly, Kaysen Wallace, to me, has been maybe my favorite of this group for, you know, again, very rudimentary research I've done here and rudimentary game watching. But to me, he kind of pops off the screen a little bit more than these other guys have. Um, You know, 12 points, four boards, four assists, shot 45% from the field, nearly 35% from three for Kentucky this year. We know that with Kentucky, you know, team context is always a little bit wacky and weird um, just with the way that that program runs. You know, Casey Wallace, what's your read on him? To me, like... I 
he's the guy I kind of hitched my wagon to to begin with, but do you think he brings the type of skills that we've talked about here as something the Raptors uh, badly need? And obviously, you know, I think he kind of profiles as the best offensive player of this bunch. He's kind of yes. branded as that. Um, what are your, what's your read on Cason Wallace and what his fit with the Raptors might be? So I'll, I'll be honest up front. I'm a little biased towards Cason. <laughs> in 2015, I have an article and I, I wrote, it was on NBA Big Board a few months back. And then I have an interview that I did with Cason that should, mm-hmm. it should be out by the time this, this episode airs. In 2015, I was a videographer for a fourth and fifth grade team. And it was Cason <laughs> Wallace's team. So Incredible. <laughs> I, yeah. But what's even more incredible about it is that when I went through the footage a few months back, there's a game where they're playing a team called Pro Skills and Keontae George is on the other end <laughs> of the floor. So Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace, Anthony Black, all of these guys or guards are from the Dallas area. They were three mm-hmm. McDonald's All-Americans. So they've been growing up playing against each other their whole lives. I just found out that Kaysen and Keontae's birthdays are like a couple days apart. <laughs> and um, Keontae's mom told me, I think their senior year of high school was the first year that they did not celebrate their birthdays together. So I still don't have to say this. Um, <laughs> Like I said, I've I've known um, I got footage of Casey when he was in fourth grade, so yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a little bit biased. Might be and a little has, invested in that uh, success, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's a, a great defender. Kentucky guards do have a history of outplaying their draft position. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about Tyrese Maxey, Tyler Hero, Devin Booker, mm-hmm. so on. So I, I do think that there's a little bit more to his game than he was able to show at Kentucky. He kind of gets penalized because he's so polished and well-rounded now mm. that some people assume he doesn't have the same upside. You know, like if you look at a Nick Smith, you may say, well, man, if he's healthy and the shot falls, he could be this. Or right. Keontae, the shot looks good. If he can do this, then he can be this. With Kaysen, you're kind of like, well, he defends well. He's a, you know, a good shooter solid playmaker but he just kind of gets penalized a little bit as not having the same ceiling as some of these other guys but i think that could be a product of playing at kentucky sure and his game is just it's like it's not a lot of flash to it so i have a comparison people are going to think i'm crazy about this and oh we love it let's get crazy what you got and and your fan base will appreciate even more to me casein is the guard version of Kawhi leonard very quiet very um they can change games with their defense not Mm -hmm. someone that's going to wow you with a bunch of highlight plays and fancy crossovers and and just very very fundamentally sound solid case and loves to shoot the mid-range pull-up jumper shot 59 percent on pull-up jumpers inside of 17 feet and is someone that just goes in handles his business doesn't talk much at all like i said i've been filming him since he was in fourth to fifth grade. And when mm-hmm. I did a sit-down interview, <laughs> it was, I mean, very direct. He, I mean, he's a good interview, but he just doesn't talk a lot. And so when right. I left the interview, my brother, who's who's closer to Casey and his family, he's like, hey, you did something I've never seen. I said, what's that? He says, you got Casey to talk. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are, and people think I'm crazy, but I just think that there are some similarities to a smaller version of Kawhi Leonard and you know I'm sure Raptors fans will like that 
That works for me, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty good experiences with that dude. No, I mean you're not doing much to talk me off of my Case and Wallace hype train. Uh, I've been, I, I might become the conductor of it after this conversation. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think I'm pretty in on the idea of Case and Wallace if he's there at 13. I mean, I've, I've seen him mocked a little bit higher, like eight, nine, ten kind of range, but uh, it'd be pretty sweet if he slipped down there. To 13. Uh, we're going to go back on the other side. Raphael, get into a last couple names here. More switching towards dudes who just shoot threes real good. Uh, we're going to talk about Jet Howard. We're going to talk about Grady Dick. We're going to talk about Jordan Hawkins. Uh, if we got some time, we might even sneak in some Kobe Buffkin talk. But uh, before we do that, just a reminder, Locked on Leafs is your daily Toronto Maple Leafs podcast. The Leafs are obviously in the playoffs, trying to keep their season alive tonight in Game 5 as it looked to make history coming back from down 3-0. Mike and Dave do a great job covering them over there on Locked on Leafs, go check the show out and get it for free wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. All right, let's uh, round this bad boy up. We talked about point guards and, you know, the Raptors might need a point guard. They also might just bring back Fred Van Vliet. And so a point guard might be less of a necessity. And maybe they're just looking to add some shooting into the mix. And there are a few guys in this range, Raphael, who feature sort of like a three-point shot that you feel like maybe you can just kind of bank on being really good in the NBA. And boy, oh boy, would it be nice after drafting Scotty Barnes and Delano Banton and David Johnson and Christian Coloco and all the dudes the Raptors have drafted in recent years who just can't shoot would be awesome to just get a dude who the main thing is that dude shoots. Let's talk about Jed Howard, uh, son of Juwan, of course, played for Michigan, teammate of Kobe Bufkin, who we'll talk about, um, shot four, 37% from three this season, nearly 50% on twos, uh, 14 points, you know, a few boards, a couple assists, but the big thing is the three-point shot. Um, what is your read on Jed Howard? Actually, maybe the way we do this is we talk Jed Howard, we got also Grady Dick here and Jordan Hawkins. These three guys, I think I've kind of lumped together just sort of skill set-wise in that three-point shooting. I guess those three guys... How would you sort of rate them? Grady Dick, of course, from Kansas. Uh, Jordan Hawkins from the champion UConn Huskies. And I do always find myself moved by a dude who just destroys March Madness. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe I'm a simpleton who's just like, hey, that, what have you done for me lately? That's what you've done. You're good. Uh, but it seems like Jordan Hawkins brings a lot to the table as well. Those three guys, all good shooters, branded as such. What is your read on those three and their potential fit with the Raptors at 13? So I'll go with... I'll start off with Jet Howard. Sure. And I'm not as high on Jet as the consensus. Okay. But what's weird about that statement is I think if he puts it all together, he could have the highest ceiling. Gotcha. And the reason I'm not as high on Jet as others because I think he is a poor defender and he just doesn't rebound. Mm. And he's, what is he, like 6'8", 215, has a somewhat NBA-ready body. He averaged less than three rebounds per game. Yeah. So to put that into context, uh, Marquise Noel, the, the small point guard from Kansas State that kind of set the NCAA tournament on, on fire in a sense, averaged more rebounds than Jet Howard. And he's like five, <laughs> seven or five, eight. So I don't know what Jet brings to the table if the shot isn't falling. Right. And he just is, is, is really not a, a good defender. Now, Grady, I think, is one of the more safer players in this class he has the positional size he's a you know a dead-eye shooter shot i think for the most part he was like 40 percent from three most of the year kind of cooled off at, at one point but i think that he's a, a a better athlete than he's given credit for and he's a sneaky cutter so i think grady would be 
a, a definite upgrade mm-hmm. for, for your team as far as the shooting. And then Jordan Hawkins, you can make a case and say he's the best shooter in the draft if you right. factor in the difficulty of shots. He's not just spotting up, catching and shooting. I mean, he's coming off screens and pin downs. And, you know, he's in this category of guys that can shoot on the move. You know, I'm talking about like J.J. Reddick, Kyle Korver, Ray Allen. I mean, not saying that he's that guy, but I'm just talking about a guy that can full sprint, catch, let it fly. And I think that, you know, he's the best movement shooter in this class. And if you're looking for a movement shooter, along with someone that can just be a threat and transition as a, a guy that just kind of opens the floor up. And I think Jordan Hawkins is a good fit there too. Yeah. Hawkins is really interesting to me. How much do you put stock into like a guy being a, one of the best players on the national champion? Like, does that matter to you? Like, obviously you were talking super small sample sizes, the tournament one-off games, all this stuff, but also I feel like there's, there's got to be some sort of intangible quality and value to be found in a guy who is that good on a team that goes on and wins the whole thing, no? Yeah, I think so, especially when it's a guy like Jordan Hawkins where the role that he was playing at UConn would mm. be the same role he would play for the Raptors or another NBA team. Right. Now, if it was a 6'8", 260-pound low-post bruiser, that just is dominating and then you know you may say okay well wow he led his team to a championship and he was very productive as a college player but the the transition to the nba and the fit may be totally different so right in in hawkins case i think i i I definitely think that how he plays and the way he shoots it and the intangibles and experience that comes from winning i definitely think that's a positive yeah i mean I, i think the raptors have to have some sort of focus on the intangible element after the season they just had, in which it seemed like all of their intangibles were just uh, flushed down the toilet. (laughs) Like it just, there was no cohesion. There was no unity. There was no uh, like shared cohesive, cohesive direction. It was rough. Um, Hawkins, I I think for me, just kind of early days here, Hawkins and Wallace to me are kind of the two guys I'm most intrigued by. Um, Another guy who has kind of seemingly risen up draft boards a lot lately, Kobe Bufkin, uh, Jed Howard's teammate at Michigan, kind of, I guess, an in-between of the sort of bigger wing type shooters that we just talked about and the more point guard style guys we dug into at the start. Um, I know Kobe Bufkin's a guy a lot of Raptors fans are pretty intrigued by as well. What's the read on his game? I know there are some thoughts that maybe he's just a little too skinny and, and, you know, is that too much of a concern? I never get concerned about skinny guys who are young because guess what? Guys get bigger, but, um, (laughs) it just, you know, the the, the guys grow into their bodies eventually, but you know, some guys are built differently, yada, yada, yada. What's your read on Kobe Bufkin as a potential fit with the Raptors and just sort of his overall game that he brings? Yeah, I watched a lot of his film recently, and he was the biggest riser on my recent mock that came out Monday. He Mm -hmm. went from 26 to 14, and he is very, very Mm well-rounded. So it's like when I do like my strengths and areas of concern, he didn't have a lot of areas of concern. He's a good shooter, not a great shooter, but he's a good shooter where you can project that he'll be a, a very respectable shooter in the NBA. He's a good finisher, and there are some concerns a little bit about him being skinny, but he shot 71% at the rim this year. That'll work. (laughs) Yeah. So you look at all the guys, you know, from school to the Thompson twins, these guys that are freak athletes and just, you know, people think that or assume because they're great athletes, they're great finishers at the rim. They all finish 
pretty much a significant percentage lower than Kobe Bufkin at the mm. rim. Kobe defends. I talked to some coaches around the Big Ten, and they told me that at the beginning of the year, he wasn't a guy that was on their radar. For I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I talked to some scouts, and they were saying that at the beginning of the year, he wasn't on their radar as a 2023 guy. And by the end of the year, they thought he was their the best player on Michigan. And then right. I talked to some some coaches from the Big Ten, and they just talked about at the beginning of the season, he was like a defender, a guy that they thought was a strong defender. And then as the season went on, he just, I mean, he just really improved on the offensive end. And we're talking about a guy that averaged three points a game as a freshman last year, 14 points this year, but he's young. He'll, he's still 19. He won't turn 20 until September. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, He's the type of guy that a lot of Raptors fans just look at the stuff he brings, and it's like that has not existed on this team in a long time. Like, again, anyone who can shoot even sort of halfway decently kind of has that same appeal, I think. Um, we've talked a lot about guards here, Raphael. I do want to ask you before we go, you know, the Raptors are known for not going with consensus. They're known for taking guys who can't shoot, who profile as big, long dudes who they can teach to shoot later. Sometimes they've had success with it, sometimes not. Um, more often not lately. Who is a guy who you would just be like, oh, yeah, that Masai took him at 13. That makes sense. Like who maybe we haven't talked about today who isn't profiling as like a shooting first guard. Uh, who, is there someone out there who you think Raptors fans should brace themselves to see as the latest Masai Ujiri draft project at 13? I would say Bilal Koulibaly, remember mm-hmm. Yama's teammate in France. And he's someone that I watched last January at a, a game in, in France they have this called the Espars League and it's like an under 21 league. It's almost like the JV basketball. Like the, the senior team plays at the games start late over there, but the senior team plays at eight o'clock and the under 21 league is at like five o'clock. It's like a high school game. <laughs> and uh, I was at a game and I saw Blau play last year and I thought, okay, wow, this, this he's showing some stuff. I mean he was long, athletic, he looked really, really young. And I thought, okay, well this is a guy Two years from now, you know, he, he could be someone that's on NBA radars. Fast forward to last summer, he had a pretty good summer with the French national team, the under-18 team. Not crazy numbers. I want to say he averaged about seven points a game, but he just showed, like, major, major improvement. Mm. Fast forward again. I go <laughs> to, to Paris in late September, and I watch him at the under-21 league, and he's a totally different player. He looks more confident. He's, I mean, he's longer. He's... So athleticism seemed better. He's blocking three-pointers. He's finishing in transition. And now I'm like, okay, you know what? 2024. This is someone to pay attention <laughs> to as a first-round pick. So they had the Wimbayama Scoot Showcase in Vegas. He played a little bit of minutes here and there. Looked absolutely lost. Didn't – I mean, people probably don't even remember him getting in the game. Then, he again, he starts to play well. There's some injuries. And now he's forced to play with the senior team. Mm-hmm. And – I mean, he had multiple games of double figures. He's cutting. He's, you know, finishing, filling the lane in transition. But he is just a smooth, coordinated, fluid athlete, 7'2 wingspan, 6'2. And it's just his trajectory and how much he's improved over the last 12 months makes him really intriguing. And I'm friends with his agent. And, you know, all, I guess maybe like the last two months, I'm like, hey, is Bilal coming out? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, it's tough because 
2024 is considered a weak class. And I think mm -hmm. if he stays in Europe, then he can develop into a lottery pick for 2024. But then he just keeps having these double-figure games. And, of course, the whole scouting world is watching Wimbenyama that you can't help but notice that Bilal is, is, is playing a major role on the team that is either in first or second place, give or take a, a game or two. And he's playing well. And, and so he's actually shooting the ball a lot better than people expected. I know according to Synergy, and you know their stats may be a little bit off, but he was shooting 43% from three. And he's just been efficient all over, except at the free throw line. So I said yeah. all that to say this. <laughs> Masai has job security. Mm -hmm. And he is one of the few, you, you kind of touched on it, but he's one of the few general managers or decision makers, I should say, mm -hmm. that is not afraid to go against the consensus. If there's someone that he likes, he will take him. And I've, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is a perfect example. I know I thought, okay, Jalen sucks. I just knew mm -hmm. Jalen sucks was going to Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, I've had a friend tell me that that's an agent. And uh, what he said to me, he said about a year ago, it made sense. He was like, you know, most general managers or decision makers are going to go with the consensus because if that player doesn't pan out, then every other general manager would have made the same mistake. Mm -hmm. And they said, there's only a few, and, and Masai was an name you mentioned, that has the, the guts to take a chance on a guy that is against the consensus and is not afraid to fail that if that guy doesn't pan out. So with that being said, Bilal is a Toronto Raptors pick <laughs> all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know Long Raptors fans. No, it's a great answer. You, you you just strung me on with that yarn. It was outstanding all along. I think as you were saying that Bobby Webster's somewhere listening, just like sweating, just like, oh, yes, <laughs> give me that below. <laughs> um, no, I mean, Raptors fans, I think, you know, while I agree Masai's got job security, Raptors fans are a little more uh, impatient, I would say, and a little more angsty regarding the sort of draft philosophy, I think. And so... I think there will be massive outcry if, in fact, they do. Maybe say it's a reach, whatever. They go and surprise by taking Bilal Koulibaly at 13, but uh, I would not be shocked by it at all, just considering what you just laid out there and detailing the type of player he is. Sounds like an extremely Raptors dude. No doubt about it. Um, we'll see. There will be, yeah. Get a little testy, I think, for a hot second. But guess what? It got testy when they drafted Scotty Barnes, too, and that seems to be working out just fine. We're going to leave it there. Raphael, thank you so much. Can't tell you how much I appreciate you bringing your intel and insight to the show to teach this dum-dum about draft guys. Uh, but uh, anything you would like to promote in particular for the good people out there, mock drafts, podcasts, anything that people should be checking out? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's always of course, man. fun. Um the Raptors fan base is very, very knowledgeable. So mm -hmm. it's a little pressure. You got to know your stuff. You can't just. Come oh yeah, here. that's. I don't pretend to know my stuff. I just go in like I'm a dummy here. Don't don't get mad at me. <laughs> this is a strategy. <laughs> well, as a guest, and we're talking about the draft. I gotta I gotta come with it. So uh, <laughs> um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean you can find me on Locked On NBA Big Boards five days a week. Uh, I have uh, two co-hosts, Leaf Tulane, Richard Stayman. They do a good job and they also have the, their their own takes and then i'm on nbabigboard.com it is a it's a, a newsletter it's behind a paywall um it's kind of how i support my <laughs> being able to you know just get all the intel and so on 
Um, I have developed a lot of relationships with a lot of the players in, the, in this draft class. So I, I'll be able to get some behind the scenes stuff that you probably won't be able to get anywhere else. Um, I have a sit down interview with Casey Wallace and Gigi Jackson. Like I said, by the time this episode airs, that should be out. And then um, now we're getting into the to the the rumor part of the summer where, you know, starting to hear who's working out with who, who's doing what. So uh, I'm sure I'll be able to have I don't know. I got to figure it out. I don't know if the Raptors are a team that keep their their workouts tight lipped or, or not, but I should <laughs> be able to find out who's working out for the Raptors. So awesome. what's the behind the scenes intel? NBA Big Everyone go subscribe to NBA Big Board right now. Uh, it's more than worth your money. Support independent draft work. Raphael does some of the very, very best work in the biz. So go and support him. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for checking out the show all week long. If you haven't, go back and check out the recent episodes we did talking about J.J. Redick and Pascal missing all NBA and OG making all defense and oh, so much more. Next week, we're going to do our over-unders recap. Vivek Sahal, they're along on Monday as we determine who wins do i get my first title in seven years maybe probably not because i stink at this game uh but the over unders prop spectacular will come to its conclusion on monday and next week we will hand out uh two tickets to the person who had the best over unders picks on the same questions we ran through at the start of the year as well also next week we got fake trade friday a new segment where we bring a sicko from the discord it was put together an insane trade and i will talk about why it's insane or why it works so that's going to be next friday uh we'll leave it there thank you so much enjoy your weekend go listen to locked on leafs as hopefully when we talk on monday the buds are still going baby if not then it's just raptors draft talk the whole way through either way thank you so much for hanging we'll talk to you monday bye-bye